2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23, and if you're able to stand just for the reading of God's Word tonight. If you're not able, we understand that. 2 Samuel chapter 23, and begin reading in verse number 13. The Bible says, And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephraim. And David was then in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem, that was by the gate, and took it, and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. Heavenly Father, I ask you now to bless the reading of thy word. Thank you for the good singing. I pray that you would help us these next few moments and may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice with me about these three mighty men. The Bible mentions them in verse 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. We talked about the uh, spear of Adino and the sword of Eliezer and then the stand of Shimon. And when we think about these three men, we think about how that they each knew uh, how to work independently. As you read these verses about their life, you find that they all stood by themselves and they stood alone and they stood for what was right. And so they knew how to work independently. You didn't see anybody holding their hand or having to babysit them or they stood in their place and they faced their responsibility in the, that was in front of them regardless of what the odds were. They did what was right and they They did not do it to be seen or to be noticed. Uh, They did not need a title or some form of recognition, but uh, they didn't even have to let others know what they were doing. They were all about uh, just doing what God wanted them to do and what needed to be done at the time that it needed to be done. And so uh, we see how that they knew how to work independently. But in our text tonight, I wanted you to notice that these three men uh, not only knew how to work independently, but they also knew how to work collectively. Amen? They knew how to come together in unison and to work together. They were not jealous amongst each other. They were not in competition with each other. They did not feel that they had to have the spotlight. They were in unity together in honor of the king. Everything that they were doing, whether it be individually or whether it be collectively, was not about them, but it was about the majesty or the king that they were serving. You know, tonight there's a great lesson for all of us to learn about that Because God has gifted us and God has called us all uh, to serve in different capacities. And we're to fill those roles that God has called us to do. We're to work individually. But then we are to work together as the people of God. And we're to work collectively. Just like these men, they were able to accomplish a great task simply because they worked together. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on that subject. On when leadership works together. Amen. When leadership works works together. We need unity as always in the house of God. David said in Psalms 133 in verse number 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And there's nothing more better
better and there's nothing more wonderful than when a church is unified together and I thank God for the unity that we have in this church but we need leadership to work together to pull together you see when leadership comes together and works together great things are accomplished for the glory and the honor of God and you cannot work with some because you cannot trust them can I get an amen right there you cannot work with some because they're always making it about themselves you cannot work with some people uh, simply because uh, uh, they're always complaining and criticizing uh, the work of God and the people of God you see God uh, did not bring us apart and bring us uh, or let us become a part of the church his bride should I say so that we could criticize the bride or find fault about that Uh, God did not give us the responsibility in the church to go around and to find the one thing that we can find wrong and complain about it I mean when you look around Bible Baptist Church uh, uh, there's a whole lot more going right than there is wrong amen I'm not telling you there's not things that are wrong I'm not telling you there's not things that are broken I'm not telling you there's not things that needs to be fixed amen I'm telling you when you look at the grand scheme of things tonight we got more going for us than we got going against us amen and tonight I have to raise my hand and say thank God for the church I thank God for every one of you tonight I appreciate the church I appreciate a place to come and worship God as I said this morning everything's not perfect but it sure is a good place to be amen and I want to tell you some people uh, they volunteer and they serve but the whole time they're serving they're complaining while they're doing that I never want to be that kind of person I don't want to gripe and complain about the church I don't want to gripe and complain about the service of God the truth of the text is God doesn't need me tonight but he allows me to have a part in what's going on amen and it really doesn't matter tonight if my part is a big part or a little part isn't it just good to be hooked up with the church amen isn't it good to be a member of the body of Christ uh, to be a part of the bride amen I mean we don't look like much to this world and the world's not interested in us but I got news for them I'm not interested in what they're doing tonight either amen but I am interested in him amen he is the altogether lovely one and when he looks down thank God he sees me through a lens of love Uh, he looks beyond my fault thank God and he sees my need Uh, and we got a lot of spots and wrinkles right now uh, but come homecoming day and resurrection morning every wrinkle's gonna be ironed out every blemish and spot's gonna be gone uh, and the brides are coming back with a bridegroom uh, uh, for a 1,000 year honeymoon amen Uh, it's gonna be glorious here on earth uh, and this world hadn't seen the last of us amen we may not look like much today but hallelujah when we come back uh, uh, we're coming back in glory and we're coming back in splendor amen Uh, and I'm just thankful that I'm a part of a local New Testament church tonight amen well when I think about these men tonight and I see these three men they do a noble deed in this text uh, and the reason they were able to do this noble deed is because they worked together it would have been impossible for them to have done this by themselves but together there was strength in number and can I tell you tonight church when we work together and when we come together there is strength in number amen I see this noble deed in this text uh, and in verse number 13 the Bible talks about the days of this deed notice the Bible said and the three of the thirty chief went down and came to David notice this in harvest time that was in April and in, or in May and so it is harvest time those were the two months that was harvest time and so there's the days of this deed notice the dwelling of this deed the Bible said that they came down unto the cave 
of Adullam. And so David is hiding out in a cave. And these men come to David. They came to him in the hard times of his life. They came to David when he was a fugitive, when his back was against the wall, when he needed somebody that was willing to stand in his corner. Don't you thank God for people that'll just stay with you and stick with you in the hard times? I mean, anybody can stand in the sunshine. But I tell you, when you're tucked away somewhere in a cave and you don't know where God's at and what God's doing and the man with the most power and authority in the kingdom at this time wants to lift your head off your shoulders, it sure is good to have somebody that'll say, I'll join up with you. I'll side with you for what's right. I want to say, if God be for us, who can be against us tonight? Amen. I'm telling you, it's not time for the church to be divided. It's time for us to join and to lock arms together and to march on for the cause of Christ and the glory of God. Amen. And so we see the dwelling of this deed. And then I notice the difficulty of it. The Bible said that the troop of the Philistines in verse 13 had pitched in the valley of Rephraim. And David was then in a hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. Do you realize that these men come to David in a time when the Philistines had him surrounded? I mean, they had him backed in. It looked like there was no way out. But God always makes a way. I'm going to tell you something about God tonight. He's always got a man. He's always got a message. And thank God he's always got a miracle. Amen. When there is no way, God makes a way. I'm telling you, when it looks like it's a, there is no provision, God makes provision. Amen. When there is no answer, he'll just be the answer. He'll be whatever you need. At the time that you need him, he is all that I ever need and so much more. Hallelujah. And I see the desire of this deed. But David cries out in verse 15. And the Bible says here that David longed and said, Oh, that he would, one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And so David is thirsty. And David is wanting a drink. And we see the desire. But notice the devotion in verse 16. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of the Bethlehem. And that was by the gate. And took it. And the Bible says they brought it to David. I mean, here's some men. They're so devoted. And we think about the danger of this, how they broke through of the troop of the Philistines. These were men that were willing to put their life on the line for their king. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, we need to be willing to live for him and we need to be willing to die for him. Amen. And if you're not willing to live for him, you sure won't be willing to die for him. I'm telling you tonight, these men was willing to do whatever it took to get David whatever he needed in spite of the difficulty, in spite of the danger. And they was willing to pay the ultimate price for the desire of the king. Amen. You know, that's what leadership is tonight. It's not me doing what I want to do. It's not me doing what I think needs to be done. It's doing whatever the king desires. Amen. It's following the orders and the desire of the king. They were so devoted to him that they wanted to get him this water. And I noticed the devoutness of this deed. The Bible says here in verse number 16, nevertheless, he would not drink it. Therefore, but he poured it out unto the Lord. David is not going to drink 
drink this water. He said in verse 17, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. So David is so devout. His own integrity will not allow him to drink this water because he realizes the sacrifice that was made. And when David poured that water out, he didn't pour it out to himself, but he poured it out to the Lord. Do you know why? Because David knew he wasn't worthy to drink that cup. And so he gave it as an offering unto the Lord for he was the only one that was worthy. You see, these men loved David because David loved God and they loved God. And tonight, the reason we love each other and the reason we work together is not because of me or not because of you, but thank God it's because we love him. Amen? I'm telling you, everything ought to be about him. Everything ought to be about making much of Jesus. Amen? I'm saying the reason the church is so wonderful is because he is so wonderful. And the reason this place we enjoy is because we enjoy him. If he doesn't show up, then there's no use in even coming tonight. Brother, I've been to enough churches and you have too where there is no presence of God. And when there is no presence of God, there's no point in turning the lights on. And you see, David realized that this drink of water, this, this water that they brought to him, it was more than just a, a drink of water. You see, this water was a great moment that where these men put their life on the line. It was a great memory that David would remember the rest of his days, uh, the devotion that these men paid unto him. And then it was a great message uh, that proved that nothing is impossible with God when God's people work together, amen? And so I'm preaching tonight on that subject on when leadership comes together. I'm telling you, we need to keep unity in the house of God. Ephesians chapter three says to endeavor to keep the spirit of unity in the bonds of peace. That word endeavor means to do your dead level best. It means I have this responsibility and you have this responsibility to make sure that we're not guilty of causing the church to fraction in any way and not only not guilty, but we're to heal any fraction that we can. When something comes up, rather than me contributing to the criticism, rather than me contributing to the, uh, listen, to whatever division that may be starting somewhere, uh, uh, God says what you need to do is to be a peacemaker. You need to bring people together. You need to unify the body. Why? Because it's all about the cause of Christ. Amen? I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, listen, they went down the road and started another church uh, because they didn't like the pastor or maybe they didn't like some of the people in the church. Uh, do you know tonight God is not in a million miles of that. Now they may get a crowd uh, and they may get a following but they'll never have the blessings of God if they start a church out wrong. Amen. I'm telling you if it's not born right it'll never be right. It'll never have God's sanction. It'll never have God's blessing. I don't care what how big the building is. Uh, I don't care, care how much uh, uh, listen money may be put into it. There is no substitute tonight uh, for the presence of the Holy Ghost, amen? And we limit ourselves when we try to do things on our own, amen? We must work together. These men not only had the back of the king, but they understood the heart of the king. And they desired what he desired. You and I tonight need to have a heart for leadership. 
We need to defend the leadership. We need to stand with the leadership. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but it still needs to be preached. I thank God for the leadership of this church. I thank God for the unity in this church tonight. And one of the reasons God has been good to us is because we don't sit around and complain and we don't sit around and argue about a bunch of silly little things that's gonna be embarrassing at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. I'm telling you, this church is about winning souls. Amen. This church is about worshiping God. His church is about the Bible, the truth, amen? And we always want to keep it that way. Can I get a witness right there? I'm telling you, David is a picture of Christ uh, and we need to be like these men and be willing to do whatever we can to honor the king. And even though David was like Jesus, uh, he was despised and rejected, uh, these men, they still wanted to serve him in spite of the rejection, in spite of those that didn't like him. These men still were devoted to serve him. Hey, listen, that's the way those disciples were. Even though Christ was despised and rejected, they still wanted to serve him. And they went on and served him. And it cost many of them their life. And here we are 2,000 years later. And I want to say tonight, it's still good to serve Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, he's despised and rejected by this world. They curse him. And they, listen, curse his name. And they damn his father's name. But I want to tell you tonight, he is the altogether lovely one. I still want to serve him and live for him. He is the most precious and the most sweetest name that we know tonight and the greatest thing that ever happened to you and I was the day that God took us out of nothing and he put us in everything. I'm telling you, isn't it good to be in tonight? I'm glad he brought us out that he might bring us in. I'm glad he put us in a wealthy place. The psalmist said, he put us in a good place. He took us out of dry and a thirsty land called Lodibar, the place of no bread. And he put us in a good place. He put us in the house of bread. He put us in a place where we can be fed. A place where we can worship. A place where we can feel his presence. I thank God for the breeze of heaven that sweeps across my soul. I can feel it in my soul tonight. Hallelujah. Woo, praise God. And it's good, isn't it? It's just good to be saved. And it's good to be in a church where people get along. And the ones that don't act like they do. Isn't that good? I mean, I like it, amen, be where there's unity. And the two or three of y'all that can't get along with us, at least you're hypocrite when you come. Amen. You say, well, I thought you would. Well, I mean, you're always going to have a few hippos around, so you've got to go ahead and just take it as it is. Amen. But I'm telling you tonight, David, uh, they knew the heart of David. You see, these men placed themselves under the leadership of this kind of man. And thank God for people that will get under your leadership that won't buck you, that won't fight you. They ain't all the time looking for a fight or looking for some disagreement. I'm telling you, there's some people, uh, listen, that's not this way here, and I praise God, and I'm going to keep preaching like this so it don't never get this way here. Uh, but I'll tell you, there's some people, uh, listen, it don't make no difference if you voted on missions uh, and winning souls. It wouldn't make no difference if you, I don't know why anybody vote on having revival. Amen. But some churches do. Uh, listen, that's not leadership. Uh, but you know what? They'll vote on, and some people, they'll vote against everything. I'm telling you, uh, uh, listen, they'll vote against everything that goes on in the church. Uh, uh, but I'll tell you, if you go to church uh, and if the leadership's right with God, you don't have to worry about following. Amen. And when the leadership gets wrong, God's always going to deal with it. And these men in this text here, they it was uh, David was clear, and they had a clear understanding of what David's heart was and who he was. Now, I want you to notice very quickly tonight 
In verse number 15, where David makes this famous, this classic statement, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. I want you to see a few things tonight about this leader and how that these men understood the leadership of David. You see David's thirst in this text. The Bible says, and David longed. He's asking for a drink. And David is thirsty. He's longing for water. He's longing for a well. But he's also longing for a world. We'll see this in just a moment as David is going to reveal his heart that David is really wanting more than just a drink of water. It's not just water that David is seeking after, but David is longing for another world. You see, my friend, they had to learn to thirst for things. And David had learned to thirst for things that God had put in his heart. And these men had to learn to thirst for what their leader thirsted for. Amen. You know, listen, tonight, if I wasn't a pastor and I went to join a church somewhere and became a member of that church and I felt like that's where God led me and I felt like that was the pastor that God wanted me to sit under and that was the man that God had put in my life to preach to me and to feed my soul and to pray for me, i tell you what I would do tonight. I would try my best by the grace of God to have the same heart that that man had. I would try to find out through prayer and through observation the direction that God was leading him. I would listen to what God laid on his heart and I would ask God to help me to desire what he desired. I would ask God to help me, my friend, to have the burden that God has laid upon his heart. You say, well, you're preaching that and you're the pastor. Well, if somebody has to, I'm telling you tonight, uh, that's how a church moves forward. God lays some things on the man of God's heart and other people people get behind it and you do a good job at that tonight church and I commend you for it. And I'll tell you that's where that's where we go somewhere is when God puts something on a man's heart. You just get him the traces with him and you pull in the same direction. He can't do it by himself. Uh, I'll tell you when everybody's pulling in the same direction uh, thank God you know what happens uh, we can do much working together for the glory of God. Amen. You know, God will lay things on the preacher's heart sometimes that people, I know they have to think. Now, I know this has to cross your mind. Well, I don't understand why he's going to do that. And I'm not, I'm not even mad if you've thought that. In fact, I kindly wonder about you if you've been here any length of time and you've never thought that. You say, well, preacher, why would you not be critical? Because there's times I've stood up here and said, church, God laid this on my heart. You know what was going on in the back of my mind? I don't understand why I'm doing this, amen? And I'm telling you, when I'd stand up and say that, uh, listen, I don't even know, I don't know what you think about it, uh, but I'm just trusting God, but you're exercising double faith. Uh, Listen, I'm putting my faith in God, but you're putting your faith in me that I'm putting my faith in God, amen? I'm telling you, but sometimes, Sometimes God will have you do some things that we would not do in and of ourselves. But we, he teaches all of us how to obey. And he's teaching us that even as the pastor, it's not my shot to call, amen? It's not my church. It's not what I want. It's not the way I do it. It's whatever he tells us to do, amen? That's what we're supposed to do. But thank God for a place where we're all pulling together, amen? I mean, we might have to take a couple people kicking and screaming, but that's it'll be okay, amen? But the vast majority of us tonight, uh, we see what God lays on the man of God's heart and we just go forward and guess what? He honors it, he takes care of it because it wasn't the preacher, it was the will of God, hallelujah. 
Tonight we have to thirst. We have to have the same thirst tonight. See, I think I've preached places where the pastor wanted revival, but the people didn't want it. And then I've preached places where I think the people wanted it, but the pastor didn't want it. But I'll tell you how it works is when there's a group effort and I see David's thirst and then I see David's thought. What is it? What does David mean when he says, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. You see, David obviously did not intend for these men to put their life on the line. He obviously did not want them to risk their life for a drink of water. So David has a thought. What is David thinking about? David is going back to his shepherd days. He's going back to the simple days when he was just a young man. Those Sundays when he wasn't a soldier in the fight. When he wasn't a king that was anointed for a throne. When he wasn't a fugitive running for his life. No, David is going back to those days when he was just Jesse's boy working out in the field for his father and taking care of those little sheep that God had, that his father had put him over. And he would go down to that well by the gate of Bethlehem and would dip some of that water out. David's mind in that cave is going back to the days of simplicity they're going back to the days when things were carefree going back to the days when he didn't have so much responsibility and pressure on his shoulder young people I'm sure you've heard this and when I was a young person and somebody said it to me it didn't register but it's going to register true one day in your life just like it has the rest of us but if you're a young person living at home listen where all the bills are paid and you don't have the pressures of life and you get get up and you go to school and listen you got a mom and dad that loves you and they take you to church and you've got friends and you've got family and you've not buried a whole bunch of people in your life. I'm going to tell you these really are some of the best days of your life. These are simple days when you don't have all the pressure and I say all that to say this you make these days count for the glory of God. You run as hard as you can for Jesus Christ. Don't have the mentality when I get older I'm going to serve him. No. I'm telling you why you don't have all the responsibilities, while you don't have all the obligations, while you don't have all the pressure that's lingering on the hearts of a lot of moms and dads, and you don't got children to raise, I tell you, you sell out to God lock, stock, and barrel, you give God everything, you go 150% for God, and while it's carefree, you make sure every minute counts, and you're serving to the best of your ability. Because there is gonna come times when pressure is going to come and you're going to look back and say, I wish I could go back to those days when I was standing by the well and it was just all about a drink of water. You see, tonight David is desiring a time when he was not struggling. David goes back to a time when things were not so complicated. When someone is given responsibility and recognition, they must also face pressure, problems, sometimes persecution and different people. You see, you look at somebody, I'm sure people had to look at David when he was on the throne and when he was coming into the kingdom riding on that stallion and had that army walking behind him and he was decked out in all that royalty. I'm sure somebody looked at David and probably thought, man, it must be something to be the king. It must be something to be able to sit where David sits. Uh, only problem is they really didn't know where David had set out. You see, 
see when you come in and you see some people and you see what they're doing, it looks easy on the surface. It looks like everything's just going okay. Maybe you go to work tomorrow and you see that supervisor, you see that boss, that foreman sitting behind that desk in that air-conditioned office and you think, man, that must be nice to be where he's at. Well, he didn't just get up one morning and walk in and fill an application out and just start right there. I'm telling you, he had to start on the bottom like everybody else. And that's where David had to start. And David had to go through a lot of pressures. See, a lot of people didn't see David hiding in the cave. But these men saw him in the cave. A lot of people didn't see the days when David wanted out of the cave and just wanted to go back and be a shepherd boy. But it was God's way of molding him and making him so that by the time David came a king, he didn't ruin himself with pride and prestige and popularity. You see, if God gave us everything we wanted at the time we wanted, the truth is we wouldn't be able to handle it. Amen? And so what God does, he brings us from nothing to whatever place in life he wants to take us to. You know why? He brings us through a whole lot of stuff in order he might develop us and bring us to a place where we don't let pride destroy us. Amen? You see, tonight, Thank God for benefits in life. You get them on the job, you get them different places. Thank God for those benefits. But if you've been in a company any length of time, you understand those benefits didn't come easy. Can I get an amen? Hey, they're not walking through the plant just looking for somebody they can benefit. Is that right tonight? I mean, they're not just spreading the wealth. And sometimes you see people in life, but you, you, you see the easier side. But even on the, the comfortable, appearing easy side, you don't see the weight. You don't see the responsibility. You might look at somebody and say, man, I wish I could have what they have. But if you had it for two days, you might want to just go back to your well and your field. You know, I knew a guy one time that he worked in a company cutting plywood, single, not married, 40 years old, lived in a single wide trailer, drove a little car that probably got 65 miles a gallon, it looked like. And he came home, and the only furniture he had in his house was a recliner and about a 75-inch television. And every afternoon when he got off from work, he did the same thing. He stopped at the Domino's Pizza Place and got him a pizza, went home and sat in his recliner and watched television. Now, I don't desire that man's life. If I did, I would weigh 600 pounds. And I don't want to fill up on the, on the world every day. But, you know, I would be, if I'd be honest with you, I would see that guy sometimes at life, in life, and I would think, man, that guy don't have a problem. I mean, his biggest problem is, am I going to eat pizza tonight? That's the biggest problem he's got. The biggest breakdown he's going to have is he's going to wear a hole in that recliner and have to go buy another lazy boy. I mean, that's all he, he did. Now, you say, well, that man ain't going nowhere. No, but he don't have the pressure most people have. Now, I'm not saying tonight be a bum. Somebody say amen. 
I'm not saying tonight don't have no ambition in life. You ought to want something. I'm not saying he was neither. What I'm telling you tonight is this, that sometimes you, you look at things in life and you say, man, that's an easy road. Well, you don't know the road it took to get there just like it did in David's life. Just to be king, David had to go through the cave. He had to go through the, the field. And David's thought process is, I don't want to do this no more. I want to go back to where it was easier. It wasn't what I thought it was. It's too much responsibility. It's too much pressure. But God is using that in life to make David stronger. And God uses things in our life. David is never going to be the leader that God wants him to be if he just hands him the throne and sets him on it in all of his glory. It'll ruin him like it did those other wicked kings. I'm telling you tonight, hang in where you're at. Stay where God puts you. Keep on doing what God's called you to do. No, it's not easy. Amen. I'm telling you one day at a time, getting up, putting one foot in front of the other, being the husband, being the father, being the mom, hey, being the Christian that God wants you to be, being the Sunday school teacher. I'm telling you that class, listen, God, they need a good Sunday school teacher and they need somebody that'll spend the hours and that'll get up and give it all that you've got so that it can mold and shape somebody else's life. And they may never tell you thank you and they may never shake your hand and nobody may never recognize it. But leadership, it's not about a title. It's not about a trophy. It's about the task that God has put you there to do. Amen. I see David's thirst. I see David's thought. Then notice David's trial. David, when he makes this statement, it's at a time when he's being hated. He's being hunted down like a dog, haunted. Thank God he's being helped. God didn't leave him in that cave by himself, did he? David had help by two different sources. First, number one, by God. Number two, by man. Can I tell you tonight, he must have had this in his life in order to be a leader. He had to learn how to depend on God and lean on God first. And he learned how to, He needed to learn how to depend on man and lean on, lean on man. And you and I have a responsibility. We must all learn to lean on God. But then we must lean on each other. Amen. It's not about one individual in this church, including the pastor and the pastor's wife. I'm telling you, it's about us leaning on each other. Sometimes you're weak and I'm strong. Sometimes I'm weak and you're strong. But together, we go on for the glory of God. That's what leadership is. It's a coming together. And David my friend, uh, he knew that he had some men that was not interested in the spotlight, but they was interested in staying with him. Hey listen, those who desire the spotlight tonight, they know nothing about real leadership. Uh, They would only mar it if they ever got it. And my friend, you can't uh, uh, be a leader and seek your own profit. My friend, those who are in leadership tonight realizes uh, that it's not about them, but it's about getting the job done for the glory of the honor of God. And I see David's trust tonight in verse number 16. The Bible says here that David, nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but look at this. But he poured it out unto the Lord. David poured it out as an offering to the Lord. And he poured it out as omission of his own leadership. Because David was not going to drink this water to lift himself up. He was going to do the right thing and pour it out to lift God up. I'm going to tell you something about leadership tonight. I don't care if it's a pastor. I don't care if it's on the job. It doesn't matter if it's the, the dad of the home, the leader of the home tonight. Real leadership always does this. It always does the right thing. It always honors God. If it's going to do the, if leadership is going to be the leadership God wants it to be, it's always going to do the right thing that will honor God. 
I'm not telling you leaders always do right. We'll see that in the next chapter that David did not do right. He abused his leadership role a chapter later. But here in this chapter of David's life, David realizes this don't belong to me. This isn't something for me to put my lips to. This isn't something for me to put my hand to tonight. This is the lives of men that I'm holding in my hand. And so David with, 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 with very sensitive leadership, he pours it out and turns it into an offering to God. David displayed his faith in front of these men in a time of hardship. You know, I think that's important tonight. Your children need to see you display your faith in times of hardship. That provides leadership. When people don't know what to do, somebody has to step to the forefront and say, here is what we're going to do. We're going to trust God and we're going to go forward. Can I get an amen right there? And finally, we notice David's testimony. David realized the moment that he poured that water out that he had something more blessed than water from home. In verse number 17, the Bible, David says, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these mighty men. Hey, listen to me tonight. David starts out in that cave reminiscing, saying, I wish I could go back to Bethlehem, get a drink out of that water, out of that well by the gate. I wish I could just go back to when life was a little bit more easier and less complex. I wish I could go back when there wasn't so much pressure and persecution. But in the midst of that, when he got that water, he realized something. He realized he had more to look forward to than he had to go back to. He realized that what God had gifted him with and given him was men that surrounded him. David realized in that very moment that he had something more valuable than a well in Bethlehem. He had mighty men to help him, to support him. David realized that he wasn't left alone by God and he wasn't left alone by man. That God, you know, sometimes if you and I are not careful, it's real easy to get your eyes on one or two people in life that brings you down. But you ought to look around. You ought to think about the people that's still standing with you. Amen. You know, I don't like it when people leave the church. And thank God, I don't reckon nobody has in a while. Isn't that a blessing? And I hope nobody does. But you know, or you know this. If you stay in this church any length of time, I hope this don't happen, but it would be a miracle if it didn't. Somebody will leave. That's the way it's always been in church, had it? I hope it's not you. People come and people go, and some people stay a lifetime. And when somebody leaves, you know, I, it doesn't make no difference to me tonight. And I'm being honest with you. It doesn't matter if they was a, a member that never caused a day's trouble or if they was a member that I'm telling you, they just about drove you nuts. When they leave, it's sad, isn't it? It's sad for several reasons. One, because you don't know the direction their life may go. Two, because I don't care if they cause the biggest trouble in this church I understand when they leave, there could be a sigh of relief because the, the fire goes out. But I'll tell you, for a pastor and preacher's wife, and I'm sure it would be the same for most members tonight, 
when people leave and they've caused trouble, even at that, it's a detachment from the body. And it bothers you, doesn't it? But you know what we do tonight? We have to go on, don't we? And I don't know, listen, one day when you get down life's road and we're all old and gray-headed, most of us, we get down life's road. I've thought about this sometimes as a pastor. I look back down through the years and I see people, some are in heaven tonight, some are out in sin, some we don't know, we don't have no idea where they're at. And I thought about down through the years, people that's come and gone, I thought to myself, you know, if you stay another 25 years in this church, any of us, don't really know who's going to be here, do we? I mean, I would like to think, Brother Laddie, that everybody that's here tonight will be here. Some may be in heaven. But tonight you really don't know, do you, what the church will look like 10 years from now, 5 years from now. I'll tell you what, I appreciate people that'll just hang in there and stay with you. Amen. And as a preacher tonight, that's what I plan on doing. Can I get an amen right there? Ain't no second vote around here. We voted in 1998. And sometimes a pastor will, I don't know for whatever reason, they say, well, we'll get a vote of confidence. Not me, buddy. I mean, you got one shot. If you regret it, I'm sorry. If you wasn't here to vote, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm like a stick of furniture. Love me or hate me, I'm here to stay. Isn't that right? I mean, it's just how it is tonight. I'm just cutting up with you, but I'm going to tell you something. I want to stay here. Don't you want to stay? It's a good place to raise your children. It's a good place to stay till Jesus comes. It's a good place to invite people to come. I thank God for Bible Baptist tonight. I thank God for this church. Leadership that works together. Hey, you know what? I want to encourage you tonight, church. Let's keep working together. There's not a problem here that I know of tonight. And I thank God for that. But I tell you, I also know this. There's a devil out there. If he could stir something in our church, you know he'd do that, wouldn't he? If he could get somebody sideways, he'd do that tonight. And I tell you, a good prayer for all of us to pray every day. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray, God, keep your hand on this church. Keep your hand on each one of us. Bless, bless our homes. Bless the ministries of this church. Let it always be a place where people can get help as we stand tonight. If you need to come... You'll...